Welcome to the podcast for Salem Baptist Church, where the senior pastor is Reverend Dr. Selwyn Q. Bacchus. Salem is located at 3131 Lake Street in Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. This podcast has been created as a mobile companion to your engagement with Salem. Whether you use it to listen to a service you are unable to attend or to revisit a sermon, we pray that this podcast will serve as a source of motivation and connection to a word-centered and spirit-led church that cares about your journey. Be sure to turn on your alerts as we deliver a variety of content to you. Don't miss out on church services, interactive Bible studies, and special interviews all here on Salem's podcast. Share the podcast with a friend or family member. Listen as you have your morning coffee, daily exercise, or travel to work. No matter when you are listening, we pray this episode blesses you.
each and every one of you for joining us in worship this morning as we lead you in worship from Sanctuary of the Salem Church here in the wonderful city of Omaha. We thank you for joining us in the virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church. Wherever you might be, we are grateful for your support and for your presence. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. We are grateful on today for this privilege to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Lord, we are grateful today for all that you've done for allowing us to see another day of worship. We thank you uh, that uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We thank you, God, for being able to lift up our voices, to raise our hands and to sing forth our hallelujahs wherever we might be. We pray now, God, that we would feel the movement of your spirit on today. We invoke and we invite your presence and your power as we worship you in spirit and in truth. And we ask this all now in Jesus' name. And the people of God said together, amen. And amen. Our music and fine arts ministry is going to lead us further in worship at this time. Yeah. 
serve a mighty and miraculous God who has all power in his hand. That's why we are able to go to the Lord in prayer knowing that he is ultimately in control. We continue to pray for our leaders in our civic areas on both the national, state, county, and city level. We lift them to the Lord as they give leadership to these very unprecedented and uncertain times. And we lift them to the Lord because although things are uncertain, we realize that we serve a certain and sure God. So we lift them in our prayers. We lift those who are our, who serve us in our medical fields, our essential workers on the front lines, serving during this time of pandemic certainly we want to as well lift those who are specifically a part of our church family, Sister Sadie Alley, Sister Mary Armour, Sister Teresa Gill, Sister Joyce Hadley, Sister Marcia Seals, 
Sister Felicia Thompson. As well, we want to lift in our prayers Sister Marilyn Devers, Sister Bonnie Harper, Sister Charnell Jones, Sister Eleanor Lucky, Sister Janisa McGlown in Washington, D.C., Sister Annette Sayers. As well, Sister Lee Ella Tolliver, Sister Gwen Watson, the mother of Kena Watson DeBerry, Brothers Clifford Fairley in Mississippi, and Brother Willis Fairley in Georgia, brothers of Leonard Fairley, Brother James Moore, Brother Ronnie Tobes. For those who are bereaved and who are grieving, Sister Crystal Curtis and Sister Claudette Armstrong and the loss of their infant daughter and granddaughter, Serenity London Curtis, as well, Brother Barnett and Sister Beverly Jordan and the loss of his mother, Gladys, Gladys Lee Jordan, as well, Sister Betty Liddell and Sister Danella Lampkin and the loss of their daughter sister and sister, Debbie Powell, and Sister Kimby Hill and the loss of her husband, Bernard Hill. And we know that God does hear and he does answer prayer. And we know that as the musicians are playing even now, that there's nobody greater than the God that we serve and the God that we worship. That's why we're able to go to him in full confidence in our moments of need and the moments of weakness. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Lord, we are always so grateful and thankful for all that you've done, for your love and for your care, for your kindness, your loving kindness toward us. We thank you, God, for a love that is so deep and undying that your word reminds us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us all. And we thank you, God, that through the power of his resurrection, we have life, life abundantly, and life eternally. And so we thank you on today. We worship you for who you are, for your constant character. God, we are grateful that unlike human beings, you never change and you never falter. You are the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And so we lift you up and we glorify your holy and righteous name. And God, we come in the sanctuary and wherever those who are listening and hearing might be, we come at your feet, God, praying for your forgiveness, for your mercy, and for your grace. Lord, we know we've come short of your will. We've either done some things you told us not to do, or we did not do some things you told us to do. So God, in our shortcomings and in our sins, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you, God, to strengthen us to do your desire and will for our lives. God, for those who are listening and hearing, there are many desires, there are many needs, there are many wants. We pray, God, that you would meet 
our church family and those who are listening at the point of their need. We know you know every heart's desire and you're able to fulfill each and every one of them. So we lift them to you and those whose names have been called. God, many of us cannot get to them at this moment. We know, but we know that you are with them even now. So we pray their strength and their confidence in you to know, God, that you are always with them. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, God, and pray for every household that's represented that you would pour out your blessings upon each and every one. We ask these blessings now in the name of our resurrected and living Savior, Jesus the Christ, and the people of God said together, amen and amen. We thank God for each and every one of you. We are grateful that you are sharing with us in worship as we lead you in worship from the sanctuary of the Salem Church here in Omaha, Nebraska. What a blessing it is to know that you continue to support us and pray for us. We continue to ask for your, again, prayers, your support, your patience. Um, there are so many things going on around our country as it relates to this pandemic. There's so much uncertainty and uh, we want to make sure that we move forward with an abundance of caution. And so we thank you again for your support. We thank you for your prayers. And uh, we're asking you again to please, please be patient with us. Uh, there are some activities, some events that we're uh, trying to uh, move forward on in the next few weeks. And hopefully within the next week or so, uh, we'll be able to announce those um, so that uh, we can continue uh, leading you in worship. We do not have a concrete date. Uh, again, because of the uncertainty of what's going on around us, we want to make sure when you return in person to worship that it is safe and secure. Uh, again, to continue to alert you that when you do return, uh, things will be different. We are operating right now in a new normal, and our new normal ministry will continue to make decisions for your safety and your security. We're praying that when we do return, that we will have your understanding and your patience because things will be uh, different than they've ever been. Uh, and we hope and pray that you will understand that, uh, that we're doing that for your safety and for your security. But we thank you for your continued support, for your continued prayers, and for your continued financial stewardship and support. We thank our deacons uh, on Friday took out of their busy schedules to come and pass out the communion elements to many who came through uh, the drive-through circle here at the church so that you might uh, be, a, be a part of us as we celebrate uh, this Lord's Supper, this Holy Communion later on in this worship experience, one of the two ordinances that the Lord has left our church. And we're trying to, again, continue to engage you as much as we possibly can. Not only those who are part of our church family, but those who are a virtual part of our church family who join us in worship each and every week. Again, we thank you for your stewardship. We continue to remind you that you can support the operations and ministry of the Salem Church through your tithes and offerings. You can mail them here 
through the church at 3131 Lake Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. You can bring them to the church office, except tomorrow because the office is closed. Normally, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 a.m., there's a secure tithe, an offering uh, box as you enter into worship, as you enter into the building, excuse me. As well, you can go through our website, salembc.org, through PayPal, through the Giveify app, through PayPal, uh, through a cash app as well, through Venmo. We want to make sure that you have every opportunity to be a blessing and be blessed through your giving. Just as a note, on next Sunday, uh, July 12th, we will not be having our uh, Word for Your Walk broadcast uh, because the time has been taken up by, taken up, uh, by uh, the nation, a national broadcast. Uh, but going fur further and going forth, it will be a part of our broadcast on Sunday, and we will be broadcasting that Word for Your Walk at 11.30 a.m. on today at WOWT uh, Television. Again, we thank you for your support. We move forward in worship and ask our music and fine arts ministry to lead us further in worship. You thought I was worth saving so you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was enough. So you sacrificed your life. So I could be free. So I could be whole. So I could tell everyone Came. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth Come on, so you clean me up inside. So you clean me up inside. You thought I was dying. So you sacrificed. So for the sacrifice so you claim Glory. 
you to turn in your Bibles, on your tablet, whatever device you might have, to the Old Testament that bears the name of the prophet Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3, Habakkuk chapter 3, I'll give you a moment to find that, Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, as we will use much of this book as context on today. Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. And the word of God reads, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my high heels. The Lord's word is blessed. I want to talk today for a few minutes by the help of God and the Holy Spirit from this simple subject. The testimony of a questioning prophet. The testimony of a questioning prophet. Habakkuk was unique among the prophets in that he asked questions of the Lord. Most prophets were filled with messages commanding the people to hear ye the word of the Lord. Normally the prophet, even if he doubted the Lord's word, the prophet would still believe. 
And if he had any misgivings or doubts, he would keep them to himself. But not Habakkuk. For Habakkuk, to raise these questions was, for our sake, a part of his message. Before we hear Habakkuk's questions and the Lord's responses, let me share with you what is known or suggested about this little-known prophet. Habakkuk bore the official title prophet, showing that others recognized him as a prophet of the Lord. Some scholars have associated his name with the Hebrew word embraced. Thus, his name may mean embraced by God. Habakkuk prophesied during the fall of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, in 612 B.C. and the rise of the Babylonian Empire. By 605 B.C., Assyria and Egypt had been defeated by Babylon at Carchemish. The southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, its days were numbered. And Babylon's power was rapidly expanding. In addition, the death of King Josiah in 609 BC brought an end to an era of religious reforms in the southern kingdom of Judah. It seemed that the wicked were prevailing both inside and outside of Judah. Becca cried out against violence, lawlessness, and injustice all around him. This is the setting that sets Habakkuk afire to the degree he begins to even question the Lord. Hear his initial inquiry to the Lord in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Listen to his words. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked uh, surround the righteous. Therefore per perverse judgment proceeds. Now the Lord does not strike Habakkuk down for his inquiry. Uh, the very opposite. The Lord begins to respond to, to Habakkuk's inquiry in verses 5 through 11 of chapter 1. And the response is one that is not pleasant and pleasing uh, to Habakkuk. The Lord tells the prophet, I am raising up the fierce and ferocious Babylonian kingdom to exact judgment on the Lord's people in Judah. The Lord is displaying his sovereignty and his authority in that he can even use an, e an evil and vicious enemy of his people to enact judgment upon them. Now, you would think that Habakkuk would have received that answer from the Lord and moved on, but not this prophet. Habakkuk begins to question the Lord again. Lord, as holy as you are, why would you allow such an unholy nation to judge your people as 
cruel and merciless as Babylon is, why would you use them to overtake and overrun your own chosen people? <clears throat> and at the end of Habakkuk's questioning of the Lord in verses 13 through 17 of chapter 1, the prophet has the nerve, the audacity, and the insolence to say these words in the first verse of Habakkuk chapter 2. He says, I will stand my watch, and set myself on the rampart, and watch to see what he will say to me, and what I will answer when I am corrected. Habakkuk stations himself figuratively as a watchman on the wall anticipating that just as the Lord had done earlier, that the Lord would respond to his questioning. Finally, he says, when the Lord corrects me, then I will answer. The Lord responds to the prophet in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses uh, 2 through 4. He says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. The Lord is saying to the prophet, the vision of Judah's future would come to pass at a time determined by the Lord. The Lord further assures Habakkuk he knows his plan, the outworking of all things according to his own purpose. The assurance and the fulfillment of God's purpose and vision lies in God himself and no one else. The fulfillment of the vision would not uh, take any longer than the Lord had planned. The Lord was communicating and conveying to the prophet that he was in control. And while his purposes are being brought to fulfillment, those who trust him must live by faith. Then the Lord responds with five woe oracles in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 5 through 20. An oracle is a prophecy, a foreshadowing, or a, a forewarning and a woe oracle is an oracle of judgment consisting of two parts a declaration of the wrong and a notice of impending danger the judgment usually applies the principle of the law of retaliation a wrong would come back to haunt the wrongdoer the Lord was conveying further to Habakkuk although I will use Babylon to judge my people, ultimately Babylon shall fall at my hand as well. Now, all of this occurs in chapters 1 and 2 of this brief book of the Bible. Twice the prophet lifts his questions, his concerns, his queries, and his complaints to the Lord. And twice the Lord responds. And it seems as if after the Lord's second response, Habakkuk's attitude is adjusted. His mindset has been 
amended. His viewpoint has been corrected. His head is clear. His spirit is satisfied. His heart has been reassured, and his soul has been satiated. It is as if the Lord has said to Habakkuk, don't worry. God is righteous, and the Lord will judge. Now, this gives comfort, consolation, and it calms the unsettled soul of Habakkuk. And it's evident, evident in the marked difference of the content of chapters 1 and 2 in opposition to the content of chapter 3. Not only does Habakkuk turn the page in his life, he changes the tone of his word in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 3 through 16. He prays a prayer that lauds and lifts the Lord for his character and his mighty acts. He prays to the Lord for the displays of his power on behalf of his people. And he even refers to the time when the almighty God delivered his anointed people from bondage. Habakkuk makes this turn from chapters 1 and 2, asserting his anger and anxiety concerning the Lord's judgment to now glorying in the Lord's sovereignty and his authority. And that brings us to the section of Scripture that I read to you earlier in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd uh, in the stalls, uh, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. And there are three things I want to suggest that Habakkuk shares in his testimony in these three short verses that close this short three chapters of the book of Habakkuk. First, he, through his testimony, acknowledges his reality. He acknowledges his reality. One of the things that I love about Habakkuk's closing verses of this book is that he goes, he, uh, goes ahead and recognizes that things are tough and that they're going to get tougher. He did not act like an ostrich and bury his head in the sand. He refused to deny the truth of what the Lord had told him. Babylon was on the rise and would be used to exact the Lord's judgment on his people in Judah. And the prophet and the people needed to be ready to acknowledge it and accept it. The prophet acknowledges his reality. He does so in such a poetic manner once again in verse 17. He says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no 
heard in the stars. Habakkuk is painting a picture of the devastation they would face as a people through a fitting financial and agricultural illustration. These words would have rang clear with those who, were, who would have heard or read them in the ancient world. K.L. Barker says it this way in his commenta commentary on the prophets Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. He says the six clauses of verse 17 seem to be an ascending order of severity. With the loss of figs ranking least and the loss of the herd in the stalls causing the greatest economic damage. He says figs served as a delicacy in Israel, but their loss did not produce severe hardship. Grapes, uh, grapes provided the daily drink, but again, the loss of the fruit of the vine would produce inconvenience rather than privation. The olive crop, on the other hand, produced oil for cooking and lighting. Grain, barley, and wheat provided for the staple diet of Palestine, and the failure of the fields to produce food might mean starvation for large segments of the population, and both sheep and cattle made up mo most of the wealth of Palestine. Sheep and goats provided wool and the occasional meat for the Israelite diet. Hebrews did not normally eat cattle, but they were used for preparing the soil for planting and other work. The loss of any of these individually might be survived, but together the losses spelled economic disaster and devastating loss of hope, loss of daily provisions, loss of their economic strength, and loss of the Lord's blessings due to their sins. Listen, he says, one upon another, they meant more than their loss individually. And the prophet acknowledges this reality. Child of God, that's how life is at times. We were not promised a life of luxury. Nowhere were we assured a lavish life. As Christians, there's no guarantee that hurt and harm will avoid your address and your household. The truth is, just like Habakkuk's assessment, life will add one harsh ingredient and item after another. And just as these clauses in verse 17 begin to ascend and add up, it will do so in our own lives. And we have to acknowledge that reality. And the truth is, family of God, wherever you are right now, we're living through it in our country even today. First, we experience a pandemic. Then we're reminded of the racism present in this country when a father and son decide that they're judge, jury, and executioner. And to add to that, police using excessive force against black people, and that causes massive uprisings across the world, and then stack on top of that an, an economy that's struggling to survive. We just have to look around and acknowledge our reality. The family of God don't lose hope, because in the midst of it all, in the midst of Habakkuk chapter 3, and in the midst 
of June 5th, 2020. Understand, even when we acknowledge our reality, there's one thread that runs through, and that is this. In spite of our current reality, God is with us. The truth is, he'll never leave us. and He won't forsake us, even in the midst of our harsh realities. The Lord is with us. So the testimony of this questioning prophet says, first of all, he acknowledges his reality, but secondly, he admits his reliance. He admits his reliance. Habakkuk acknowledges the difficulty of his reality, and now he admits his reliance on the Lord. Listen to verse 19. He says, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my high hills. The prophet first admits, I'm going to have to rely on the strength of the Lord. The Lord God is my strength. Yahweh Adonai is my strength. The prophet realizes as he faces the stark realities he and Judah will experience, he will not be able to survive them and endure them on his own strength. Child of God, you might as well be like the prophet Habakkuk and admit that you need the Lord to be your strength. And the scripture reminds us over and over that if we ask him, the Lord will be our strength. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isaiah 41, 10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you uh, with my righteous right hand. Exodus 15, 2 says, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Joshua 1, 9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 12, 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and my song. Isaiah 40, 29 says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm telling you, Habakkuk said, I am relying on the Lord for my strength. And child of God, in your weakest moment, you need to rely on the Lord for your strength. Habakkuk says, I'm, I admit I'm relying on the Lord to be my strength. And then he shows us through nature that he's relying on the Lord to help him keep his spiritual footing in uncertain times. The prophet says, the Lord will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. In the King James Version, it says, the Lord will make my feet like hind's feet. A hind is a female deer that can place her back feet exactly where her front, front feet just stepped. 
not one inch off exactly where her front feet had just been. It allows her to run without abandonment. And so as she is traversing unusually difficult terrain like on the side of a mountain, she is able to scale it without incident or accident. She can climb sheer rocky cliffs and never stumble or fall. She can scamper across what appears to be a vertical cliff, unafraid and undeterred by seemingly impassable terrain. It allows her to escape her predators and reach lofty heights that others cannot reach. Habakkuk says, let me use the imagery and show you uh, that I'm relying on the Lord to get me through those dangerous places and through those dangerous times and allow me to elude those dangerous people and walk on my high places. He says, I'm admitting that I'm relying on the Lord's strength and I'm relying on the Lord to give me my spiritual footing that even when it seems like in, I'm in danger, my footing is sure. And I want to know if there's anyone in the virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church on today who will tell the world, I am relying on the Lord to help me keep my spiritual footing. When others are slipping and stumbling and falling, I'm telling the Lord to give me hinds feet so I can keep my spiritual steps sure and I can walk on the high places that the Lord has for me. So yes, this testimony of a questioning prophet, he acknowledges his reality. He admits his reliance. But last, it shouts me because he announces his rejoicing. Listen, he acknowledges his reality. He admits his reliance. But last, he announces his rejoicing. I'm done, y'all. I'm done. But it's right there in the text. Habakkuk had questioned the Lord. He had acknowledged his stark reality. He admits his reliance on the Lord for his strength and his spiritual footing. And in the midst of it all, listen to what he says. He says, I am going to rejoice. Now listen how he sets it up because I told you he acknowledges his reality and he talks about that in verse 17. But in verse 18, he announces his rejoicing. This is what he says in verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Listen to verse 18. He says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Listen, Habakkuk paints a bleak picture in verse 17, but in verse 18, he announces his rejoicing. He says all of these negative things are a reality that we're going to have to face. 
But he starts off, verse 18, with those two words, or two or three words, that makes so much different difference and are so significant. He says, and yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He says, I know what I've already, the painter, picture rather, I've already painted. It's bleak and it's harsh and it seems to be hopeless. But he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He says, no matter the picture I've painted, in the midst of it all, I want to announce to those who listen and read, yet I will rejoice. And family of God, every now and then, with all that you have going on around you, you ought to announce your rejoicing. Yeah, I know you get on the phone and you tell your family members how bad things are. And you tell everyone how rough life is. But every now and then, before you hang up the phone, yes, Lord, you ought to tell everyone who will listen. And yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yes, Lord, I know things are uncertain and they are unsure. But you ought to make your testimony, and yet I will, I will rejoice. Do I have a witness today? You see, what Habakkuk was saying is, uh, in spite of my harsh realities, uh, yes, Lord, how we still rejoice. Do I have a witness today? Oh, every now and then, you ought to lift those hands and lift your voice and tell the world, yes, Lord, yet I will, I will rejoice in the Lord. Do I have a witness? Yes, Lord, I know many of you are working from home right now, and many of you are not in the classrooms or in the schoolhouse. And most of you don't come to the sanctuary. Yes, Lord. But when you get back in your office and you get back in the schoolhouse and you get back in the church house and folk are looking at your circumstance and your situation, when they're looking at your stark reality and you still have your good mind and you still are standing up straight with your head held high and they ask you how in the world are you still surviving and still thriving you need to tell them I've just decided yet I will rejoice in the Lord no matter how bad it may seem yet I will 
Rejoice in the Lord. No matter how despairing it may be, how we'll rejoice in the Lord. No matter how difficult it may seem, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Your hands and tell the world, yet I will, 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 rejoice in the Lord, lift those hands, open your mouth, declare, yet I will. Rejoice in the Lord because he's worthy, 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 worthy. I said he's worthy today. You all hear me say it all the time, but I love when David says, will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make a boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us Exalt his name together. anybody here who will rejoice in the Lord, who will bless his name, who will lift his name, who will exalt his name, yet I will, yet I will, yeah, yes I will, rejoice in the Lord. Is there anybody here who knows he was? I know you at home, but go ahead and shout. If you know he's worthy, say yes. Say yes. Yeah, he was.
Rebecca could announce his rejoicing in the midst of all that surrounded him because he had a relationship with the Lord. He knew him for himself. He knew in spite of what he was experiencing that the Lord was a just God and that ultimately the Lord stand on behalf of his people. And so I say to you today, listen, you're going to face those stark realities like a Beckett face. But I want to let you know that on today, you can acknowledge your reliance on him because some things you can't do for yourself. Some things you can't get through by yourself. You need the Lord to be your strength. You need the Lord to give you hinds feet so that you can walk in your high places, in your high hills. But ultimately, it allows you to rejoice in spite of what all you're experiencing. You can say, yet I will rejoice. And so if you're listening or watching on today and you've not trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity, this is your moment. This is your time to acknowledge the fact that you need a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. So if you're watching or listening on today and you've not confessed him as Lord and Savior, this is your moment. This is your time, your opportunity. Romans 10 reminds us if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that he died from the sins of the world, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And if you want to accept him as Lord and Savior on today, we invite you to call our church, 402-455-1000, option three. There's someone waiting to hear your voice and your confession of faith. Or if you're listening and watching and you're saved, but for whatever reason you don't have a church home, you don't have a church family, we invite you to be a part of the family of faith here at the Salem Baptist Church. You can call 402-455-1000, option three, and there will be someone waiting to accept you as a part of our church family. As the Music and Fine Arts Ministry leads us in an invitational selection, this is your opportunity. This is your moment. This is your time to give your life to the Lord and to be a part of the Lord's church.
part of our tradition, part of our faith tradition. The first Sundays we share in one of the two ordinances that the Lord has left the church. One of those ordinances is in baptism. Those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, baptized, immersed. It is symbolic of their death to the old and being raised in new life. And the element that we share on today is this Lord's Supper, this Holy Communion. It is an opportunity to remember and reflect on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. The Lord knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. He knows our limitations. And as a result, the Word of God reminds us that we ought to do this on a repetitive basis to be reminded of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And as often as we do this, as often as we remember, we do this in the name of Jesus Christ, he who died for our sins on Calvary's cross. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Lord, we are grateful and thankful for your many blessings, and most importantly, we thank you for your love, that once again we are reminded that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us all. We thank you, God, that in our stead, in our place, and on our behalf, the Lord Jesus became sin for us, hung, bled, and died on Calvary's cruel and criminal cross, that each and every one of us might have an opportunity to life, life abundantly, and life eternally. And we thank you even this, in this moment as we commemorate, commemorate his death and suffering we remember as well the power of his resurrection. And so even now as we prepare to share these elements that are symbolic of the Lord's broken body and shed blood, we pray, God, that you would forgive us of our sins, prepare us to receive these elements, and we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says on the eve of his crucifixion, as he gathered with his disciples, he first took bread, blessed it and broke it, and said to his disciples, take, eat, this is my body. Let us commune together. And likewise, he took the cup and declared, this is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins, let us commune together. We thank you for joining us today in this moment of worship, in this moment that we are able to share in this Lord's Supper, in this Holy Communion, reminded of what the Lord has done for us in Jesus Christ. We pray that this word on today and this worship experience has been an encouragement to you as we lead you in worship or have led you in worship from the sanctuary of the Salem Church, and you have joined us in the virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church. We thank you again for joining us and pray God's blessings upon you as you enter into a brand new week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Lord, we are grateful and thankful that you've allowed us today to worship you and you have pointed to us, pointed us to your word on today. We pray and believe that your word has spoken to the spirits, hearts, and minds of those who have shared with us in worship on today. 
We thank you for those who assist us in worship on today. We pray for their continued strength, blessings, and wholeness. We thank you for those who've joined us. We pray your ongoing blessings upon them, that you lead, guide, and direct them, and pour out from the windows of heaven blessings that they won't have room enough to receive. And even now, as the church scattered, we pray, God, that we would share the good news of your word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now unto him who's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his glory with exceeding great joy. To the only wise God be glory, dominion, and power, both now and forever. And the people of God all across this city, all across this county, across this state, the nation, and the world said together, amen, amen, and amen. And we yet believe the best season of your life is just ahead.